Your bulletin is the call to worship. Again, it comes from another one of the Psalms, Psalms 1. And in this Psalm, we're reminded again of those who are truly blessed. There are those who walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. And so we shall call one another together for worship in the singing of this Psalm. It is sung to the tune of This is the Day the Lord Hath Made, which if you want to see the music is Trinity, page 280. But let us stand together and call one another to worship with the singing of this song.
Would you uh, remain standing with me as we uh, approach the Lord in prayer and ask him to bless this time of worship. Our Father and our God, we come to you today with open hands, knowing that we don't bring anything in them. Nothing in our hands we bring simply to Christ's cross we cling. We know that our worship would not be acceptable to you if it were not offered through the perfect mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom you've sent to conquer all of our sins and to raise us up with him. And we thank you that we're seated with him now in your sight in the heavenly places, united to him through faith. So we rely on him this morning. We rely on his perfect mediation to offer worship that is acceptable and delightful to you. We also acknowledge that we don't come before you today as in and of ourselves clean. We come before you today having, having sinned. So we acknowledge the fact that we need to repent before we come before your throne this morning. So we do that. We repent of our sins. We trust in the perfect blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary to be the propitiation for our sins and to restore us to your fatherly pleasure. We thank you that you delight in our worship that we offer in Christ. Pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen. May be seated. And now take the Trinity hymn book and turn to 393. 393, it's an invitation to all men to run to Christ who alone is able to save us from our sins. We come without money because He is ready to save all who come to Him. Number 393, come ye sinners, poor and wretched.
The scripture reading as we walk through the New Testament chapter by chapter this morning is going to be from Luke chapter 16. So in your copies of God's Word, would you turn with me to Luke chapter chapter 16? That's the third gospel if you're not familiar with the New Testament. And in this section, the Lord Jesus is indicting, is in the midst of an indictment of the scribes and the Pharisees for their self-righteousness when in their hearts they're actually wicked. And we saw that last week with the parable of the prodigal son. The point of the parable last week was that the Pharisees were like the older brother and they really needed to be like the younger brother who recognized his own filth and ran to the Father and trusted in His grace and mercy. So Jesus is still in the midst of that indictment as He's giving these parables. So what we have today in chapter 16 is the parable of the dishonest manager and then uh, some teaching on the law and the kingdom of God and divorce and remarriage and then the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And I think that what we're going to find is that Jesus is still confronting the Pharisees with the fact that they think that they're right with God and they consider themselves better than others based on their outward religiosity. And they're not actually trusting in the grace of God and they're not actually believing in the Messiah as a result. So uh, look with me at Luke chapter 16. We're going to start reading. Hear now the word of the living and the true God. He also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do since my master is taking my management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm too ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, you may rec- uh, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And the one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you've not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? So no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, 
You are those who justify yourselves before men. But God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John, and since then the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone forces his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. Everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, and he who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed, and fell uh, with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died, and he was buried. And in Hades, being tormented, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. And Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between you, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers so that he may so that he may warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither they will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. I think we need to let that sink in this morning. If we're here this morning and we make an open profession of devotion to God and an open act of godliness on the outside without any heart of repentance, without any heart of true faith in this Messiah that God has sent, we're exactly like these Pharisees that the Lord Jesus is indicting here. It shows that one day there is there's also there's a, there's a day coming where all of us will either be in the situation of the rich man or Lazarus. So we ought to heed this warning this morning. Because we sit under the sound of the word of God just like they did. We hear God's voice preached to us in the scriptures just like they did. But Jesus said to them, if you don't hear these words, the words of this book, Moses and the prophets and what they are saying about the Messiah and about the need for true repentance and faith in him, then you you won't hear no matter what you see. Even if you were to see someone rise from the dead, even if you were to see the risen Lord right now, if you don't hear the word of God, you still would not believe. So I hope we'll take this warning from the Lord Jesus seriously that will seriously consider the word that is preached to us today.
and that we'll consider how it points us to Christ. Christ who fulfills all of the uh, all of the obligations of the law, every jot and tittle that will never pass away are fulfilled in him. So as we worship him this morning, let's keep those things in mind. Again, as we seek our God together in prayer this morning, we want to pray for the Grace Reformed Baptist Church in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, with Pastor Shetfield. Let's seek our God together in prayer. Our Father in heaven, as your word has been read to us this morning, we have been reminded that there's one thing that each one of us have in common. And that is, it is appointed unto every man once to die. And then the judgment. Father, we have also been reminded this morning that the eternal destiny of every man is not the same. Therefore, Father, we pray that each one of us may honestly look at our own lives to see if we be found in Christ Jesus. Is He our only hope? And that, Father, we would be kept from that pharisaical spirit that believes that there's some goodness found within us, something that we could do that would certainly make us desirable to You, our Heavenly Father. For, Father, we know that Your Word tells us that Our righteousness is as filthy rags in your sight. There's nothing in ourselves that makes us righteous. Therefore, we need the righteousness of another, and that righteousness comes only through Christ. So deal with hearts and lives, and we pray that even this day, eyes will be opened to that need, and the kingdom will be added to as you're pleased to grant faith and repentance. Father, we pray for the Word of God as it goes forth. We pray especially this morning for the Grace Reformed Baptist Church there in Rocky Mount. We thank you for that assembly. Thank you for Pastor Sheffield. We thank you for the many blessings that you have showered upon them even in this past year. For those that you have awakened and brought unto yourself. How glad we are for that as we think of the one man who was in the past year disciplined, but now has returned from the far country. How we bless you for that. We thank you that you've been pleased to raise up another man who will serve as an elder there in that place. And pray for Mr. Davis, even as he anticipates that ordination, and then to labor alongside Pastor Sheffield to shepherd the flock of God there in that place. Father, we would pray this morning as we've gathered together and you're aware of who we are and all we're going through, that, Father, the Word of God would come with power by the work of your Spirit. As we think of our nation, as we think of our homes, as we think of our individual lives, Father, we need the Spirit of God to come and make the Word of God a powerful instrument. Bring about changes that only you can bring about. And so we pray that you would do that in our midst. 
that those who do not know you may come to know you, and those of us who profess to know you, Father, may hear the word of God, and it will do us good. Help us, we pray, as we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. And again, now, before we come to open the Word of God, take your hymns of grace once again. Hymns of grace, turning to 377. It's a fairly new hymn. It's a new hymn to many of us, but one that I believe is simple enough for us to sing. So I'll have Rachel play through it once, and then we shall sing it together. 377. May that be our prayer. You may be seated. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'll just read the first verse and then 
Throughout the message, we will open up the first 14 verses. Deuteronomy 28. Now it shall be, if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all His commandments, which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. I think it's safe for me to say that the majority of us, if not all of us, would long for blessings over that of curses. At least that's what most of us would say. I I would far rather be blessed than to be cursed. But oftentimes, by the way we live our lives, really we express just the opposite. If we know a formula for happiness, if we know a formula for joy, and yet we don't follow that formula, then it doesn't matter what we profess, we'll never possess happiness. And God in His Word has given us the formula for happiness, for a blessed life. The the people of Israel were a blessed people. This book has been a constant reminder to us of that reality. They were a people whom God set His love upon. He chose them above every other nation, not because they were stronger and not because they were bigger, but simply by His own sovereign choice, He chose the people of Israel. They were a people who had been delivered from bondage, from slavery. And they were led through the wilderness and brought to a place where they were about ready to now occupy a land flowing with milk and honey. They were about to live in homes that they did not build. They were about to enjoy produce that they did not grow. They were about to drink from wells that they did not drink. They were a blessed people. And God made a covenant with these people. And in that covenant, He showed them how they were to live. He demonstrated and showed them where was the path of blessing. He did that even in the ten words that He's given to them. And He's told them, if you obey them, blessing will come. If you disobey, then there'll be cursing. And when we come to chapter 28, Moses gives his readers both the blessings and the curses. And and what you'll notice is this, 
the majority of this chapter deals with the curses and not with the blessing. Just 14 verses on the blessing. The rest of the chapter, which is a very lengthy, I think it's the longest chapter in Deuteronomy, through verse 68, deals with the curses. Why does he send so much time on the curses compared to the blessings? Because he knew these people were very vulnerable to rebellion. And he wanted to warn them. He wanted to warn them. And so he first sets down the blessings, followed by the curses. He first talks about a life of, of joy and happiness compared to a life of misery and sadness. And so this morning, I want us to consider those first 14 verses. The blessings that God promises. And we will notice them under three headings. And we won't start at the beginning. We'll, we'll start primarily with verse 3. And then we'll come back to the beginning. I, I think you'll see something of why I'm taking that order. But we want to look at, first of all, the capacity of God's blessings. The capacity. And, and then secondly, we will look at the details of God's blessings. And then finally, we will consider the condition of God's blessings. So now let's, let's look at the passage together. First of all, notice with me the capacity of God's blessing. Verse 3, Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall the, the offspring of your body and the produce of your ground, and the offspring of your beast, the increase of your herd, and the young, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your baskets and your kneading bowls. Blessed shall be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. So, so what's the capacity of God's blessing? What is the extent of God's blessing? And here Moses gives us that. In fact, what you have here are six sentences that are sort of poetic. There's a music, a rhythm to them so that when you come to hear these blessings, they, they would be easy to memorize. The, the children would be taught a little lyric that would help them memorize these, these blessings and the extent of the blessings that will come upon them. They, they, they would recite these things together. In fact, you know, I mean, a couple weeks ago when we were... Looking at chapter 27, remember he had half the tribes, when they go over into the, into the, uh, Cana, 
Half the tribes were to line up on one side of a mountain and half were to line up on the other side of the mountain. And, and they were to recite the law of God. They, they were to remember God's law. And many believe that another thing they would do would be to pronounce these blessings. This is what will happen as we obey God's law. The, the, the promised blessings in verses 3 through 6 displays how God's blessing will affect every part of their lives. You will be blessed in the city if you're a city slicker. You'll be blessed in the country if you're out there on the farm. You will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in. You'll be blessed when you go out. He even talks about, I'll bless your, your futility, fertility. Whether it's with you, with your beast, with your produce, you'll see an increase of all these things. Everyday routine will be blessed. You, you will enjoy. You'll be happy. All those things. God will care for you. God will provide for you all your needs. Mr. Craigie in his commentary says this, The blessing of God would extend to every sphere of Israel's life. To the urban life, to the rural life. To the fertility in man, in ground, and in animal. To the provision of household necessities. Verse 5. To the daily activities that man might undertake. Verse 6. Every, every part of your life will be blessed. So, so that's the capacity of God's blessing. But then, starting in verse 7, he gives us the details of God's blessing. Starting verse 7. And the Lord shall cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. And they will come out against you one way, and they will flee before you seven ways. And the Lord will command the blessing upon you in your barns and in all that you put in your hand to, all you put your hand to, and He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to Himself, as He swore to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in His ways. So all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you to abound in prosperity, in the offspring of your body, in the offspring of your beast, in your produce of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open for you His good storehouse and heaven, the heavens to give rain to the land in its season 
and to bless all the works of your hand, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you will be above, and you will not be underneath. We'll stop our reading there. So, so here in these verses, Moses gives us a summary of the details of God's blessing. Now, what you notice in these verses is what is called a chaotic structure. And by that, I mean, as you read down through this, you'll see that there is a pattern that goes something like this. A, B, C, C, B, A. So really, they deal with three areas of our lives. And those three areas are mentioned twice in these verses. And if you think for a moment with me, what areas would you long for God to bless as you live in this world? If you had to choose three areas that God would bless, what would those three areas be? And what he deals with here is the nation, the family, and individual lives. In verse 7, and verses 12 and 13, he deals with foreign affairs. How, how, the, how the nation will fare even against their enemies. In verse 8, as well as verse 11 and the first part of verse 12, he deals with domestic life, the family. And then in verse 9 and 10, he deals with our individual lives and our relationship to Yahweh. So, so you see this, this structure, this, this pattern that, that is set before us here. And, and as you consider this, I would imagine that most of us would say those are three very important areas that, that we need God's blessing, and yet, even in our society, these three areas for many are in utter chaos. When you think of your individual lives and, and, and how we're dealing with sin, And our pursuit of holiness and godliness. And, and, and how much are we growing in our relationship to God? Is there in my life an intimate, sweet fellowship with God Almighty? And we might be surprised at how many professing Christians spend very little Time with God. Compared to how much time we spend on one of these, 
And, and I don't know about your phone. My phone every week will suddenly pop up and say, you have spent this much time on your phone daily. And sometimes I'm like, wow. And then I just, I say, well, you know, I was listening to music for a couple hours on my phone while I was doing something else. So, yeah. I know you never try to justify, but I do. And, and, and somebody needs to figure out an app. I think that's what they're called. I think somebody needs to figure out an app that every week it will pop up and say, your time with God was down 4% this week compared to last week. Your time in sweet communion with God was not there. We have our own individual lives. And then we have our families. Families that are in crisis. Families that are so unhappy. Families that don't even like each other, who profess to be Christians. That ought to break our hearts. We ought not to be comfortable with that. And then our nation. Our nation's turned upside down. We no longer even know what the difference is between a man and a woman. Suddenly the pronouns of he or she we can't use. We've lost any regard to the sanctity of life. Last night, another mass shooting in Alabama. We kill babies like we pull weeds out of our garden. It's no big deal. Three areas that God says, I'll bless. And as we started out this morning, I asked, or I didn't ask, I said, I imagine the most of us would rather be blessed than cursed. Because you know what happens? We'll get to it in a minute, but I'll, I'll expand more on it in a minute. But if you don't obey, you know what happens? Just the opposite of what he's promised in blessings. Read the curses. Read the curses. You, you, your nation will no longer be the head. It will become the tail. 
Your family will no longer be that which is enjoyable and it brings happiness. It'll be chaos. It'll be terrible. And our own individual lives will be miserable. So here's the areas that God wants to bless. Our lives, our families, and our nation. So why is there so much misery? Why is there so much unhappiness? Because you see, God made a covenant. And that will lead me to my third point. Let me just get there. God made a covenant with His people. And it's conditional. It's conditional. Look at verse 1 and 2 again. Now it shall be if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all His commandments which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. Go down to verse 9. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to Himself as He swore to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in His way. Verse 13. Then the Lord your God will make you the head and not the tail and you will will be above and you will not be underneath if you listen to His commandments of the Lord your God, which I charge you today to observe them carefully. Do not turn aside from any of the words which I command you today to the right or to the left do, to, do, to go after other gods to serve them. God is willing to bless His people if they obey. If they obey. He's given them, to the children of Israel, He's giving them these ten words, and here's how you're to respond to them. Diligently obey your Lord your God, being careful to do them, God is saying, look and, and listen to what God says and then be wholeheartedly and completely obedient. Take what God says earnestly. Put real weight upon the Word of God. Value God's Word and then live by God's Word. So 
So God gives his children a positive motivation, which is if you diligently obey the Lord your God and be careful to do his commandments, all these blessings will be upon you and they will overtake you. I find that interesting. It says overtake you, which means it reaches you. Here's, it's like we're, we're, we're in a race and here's God's blessing and we think I'll outrun God's blessing and if you're obeying him, you're not, they're going to overtake you. They're going to overtake you. Now let me let me clarify that a bit. This is not obey God's law in order to be delivered from bondage. This is not obey God's law in order to be forgiven. When it comes to the area of forgiveness and eternal life and adoption and justification, those things are not God's response to your obedience. Those things of forgiveness of sin and justification and adoption all come to us as by God's grace, we're united to Christ and are one with Him and been delivered from bondage of sin. But this covenantal language of do this, if you do this, then I'll do this, this is given to people who have experienced redemption. Remember when he, when he gave them the law, the first thing he said to them, remember, I'm the one that brought you out of bondage. I'm the one that delivered you out of Egypt. You are my people. Now, here's how you're to live. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. This is how you're to live as, as, as my children. And as you live this way, you'll know my blessing. You'll know, you'll know sweet communion with me. In the Old Covenant, this blessing was even materialistic. You'll have this land, you'll have houses, you'll have wells, you'll have produce. Is there a New Testament equivalent? Well, the answer to that is yes, and we've looked at this before, but I want you to look with me again. Look over to James. James chapter 1. We see this same type of language. If you do this, then I'll do this. James 1, starting at verse 21. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your soul. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks into the 
looks at his natural face in a mirror, for once he has looked at himself and goes and, and gone away, he has immediately forgotten the kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law of liberty and abides in it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. In the New Covenant, it's a spiritual blessing. In the New Covenant, when we think of God's blessing upon our lives, I'm not here to tell you, you know, you do what's right and God will give you that brand new car. I'm not here to tell you that if you do what's right and just name it and claim it, you can have whatever you want. But I am here to tell you that if you look intently into the law of God and you abide in that law and you live by that law, you'll know happiness and peace and contentment and joy and blessed, sweet communion with God that, that will be a means to help you get through whatever comes into your life. Do you believe that? The heart of a blessed life is to know the nearness of God. The heart of a blessed life is one that engages in just blessed communion with their God. A blessed life is a life that knows the Word of God to be true. His promises are sure. So whatever comes across my path, I will continue to trust Him and believe in Him and hold on to Him. That's a blessed life. So, so that a man who can go through some of the biggest calamities of life, some of the challenges that are so difficult in this life, can go through them, at least with the strength of God, to get through them in a way that it's pleasing to him. The hymn writer put it this way, Fear not, I am with thee, O be not dismayed. For I am thy God, and I will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand, upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. That's the best man who knows those realities. And so as individuals... Is your life blessed? Are you a blessed man? Are you a blessed woman? Do you know of that joy and contentment and happiness? And if your answer is no, and at the end of the day, you're miserable. And it's not because you're not driving a 2023 car of some kind. And, and the misery of your life isn't because you don't have a roof over your head and clothes on your back. Your, your, your misery is because you're just content living for yourselves and, and not living with a purpose to glorify God and, and to draw closer to Him. 
I ask you, professing church of Jesus Christ, is your life a happy life? I don't mean we go around, you know, oh, this is wonderful. You know, my, my, my wife's in the hospital. <laughs> no. There are challenges and difficulties and hardships that are real. But my God's in control. And I trust Him. So that when the wife looks at you and says, Why, why am I back here? Why is this happening again? And I'm no doctor, and I, and I, I didn't come up with any scientific reason for what's going I had to remind her, you know what? The God who loves us has a plan and purpose. And we can find contentment in that. Do you believe that? Or is that just religious talk? Our families. Our families. Truly, if there's a place of crisis, it's in our families. And why is that? Why does that often happen? Well, you know, to be quite blunt and honest with you, why it happens? Because men, we aren't being the men we ought to be in our homes. You're, you're, you're neglecting your wife. When was the last time you prayed with your wife, men? Read the Word together. Now, I'm not put here to put anybody on a guilt trip. I just, this week as I've meditated on these things and I've thought to myself, wow, how come we don't know more blessings in professing Christian families? And, and I'm not saying, <laughs> I hate to, it's like I'm apologizing what I'm going to say, but, but I think it's true. I mean, at the end of the day, Man, if you would take your wool and just do what God tells you to do, do you not think your family would be a happier family? Well, it would be a happier family if it wasn't for her. Well, maybe, maybe I ought to just, just keep diligently doing what God's called me to do, to love my wife. She may be unlovely, but I'm going to love my wife because that's the direction God's given me, and I'm going to be obedient. Now, you see, sometimes I say something like that, I look out, and it's like people look at me like, that doesn't work. Really? That doesn't work. I challenge you. And women need to recognize their role. They're the weaker vessel. They need a... Probably delete this from some outer space out there someplace, but but she needs a man to lead her. And I, and I believe with all my heart that that dear woman, you really set the environment of the home. You've got more power than I think you even know. You set the environment. And oftentimes, not saying always, but oftentimes, if the home life is toxic, it 
it's often started, I'm not saying all the time, don't start throwing daggers yet, but oftentimes it comes with a wife whose attitude is not what it ought to be. And children, God says you're to obey your mother and father. This is, and, and what does God say? If you look intently in my word and, and, and seek to obey it, my blessings will overtake you. And the nation, the nation, What have we done as a nation? Quite simply, we've gotten rid of God. I'm not saying that this nation was necessarily a a godly nation at any time, but certainly more and more we've rebelled against God. We've taken authority away from parents. That's what our nation's trying to do, take authority away from parents. That's not what God says. If we don't obey, then we ought not to expect God's blessing on our lives individually, on our lives as a family, and our lives as a nation. So why so much misery and sadness? Why? Could it be? Because many professing Christians are not obedient to the Word of God. I I think that's a very good possibility. Because I want you to be happy. I want us to be a blessed nation. I want you to enjoy your families. I want you to walk with God. Enjoy Him. But it will only come as we obey the Word of God. And when you begin to neglect God's Word, oftentimes when I have to deal with people about certain issues, it it, it oftentimes comes down to this. Here's what God's told you to do. Have you been doing it? And more often than not, the answer is no. I've, begin, I've neglected that. And so I want you to smile. I really want you to enjoy life. I really want you to have sweet communion with God. But I have no pixie dust up here that I just throw out and it works and everybody becomes happy. But we do have the Word of God and being obedient to that Word. I heard a statement this week that's just stuck in my mind. And it's stuck in my mind for me. But, But the statement that I heard someone say this week is this. The Word of God is not a magnifying glass 
to find fault in others, it is a mirror that reflects who we truly are and how we're living in this life. Often, it's used as a magnifying glass. You know, so-and-so has this fault. So-and-so does this. Why, if she would, if he would, instead of, Lord, show me me. Make me clear. That I might deal with my sins as I ought to deal with them. That, that, that I might pursue my responsibilities as I ought to pursue them. That I might seek after godliness with a vengeance. God, show me me. And so may God help us. May God help us. I was asked a couple times yesterday, are you preaching this morning? I don't know if that was, you can't tell on a text, I don't know if they were saying, are you preaching tomorrow morning? Really? Could someone, or if they were saying, are you preaching tomorrow? I, I don't know how it came, but but I... I I thought, I, I want to preach tomorrow morning. Because I think what's opened up here is so vital that we might be a blessed church as we seek to follow after Him. So, so there's a point I would have been disappointed if, I mean, my wife's my priority. I would have stayed with her, no doubt, if, if, I, if, if that was absolutely necessary, no doubt I would have stayed. But, but I found myself all yesterday thinking, Lord, I, I, give me the opportunity, not only for me, but for my church as well, to preach these things because they're so important. And so again, it's not my, it's not my purpose to put anybody on false guilt trips or anything like that, but it is my desire that we be the people of God that we ought to be. And if we're not, that God would show it to us that we would repent of it, that we might know of His blessing. I, I pray that in a month from now we'll look and say, Whoa, God's blessing has just overtaken us. <laughs> Where did that come from? How did that happen? That would be wonderful. Well, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we, we give you thanks for your word and the direction that your word gives to us. And we pray, our God, that each one of us would honestly examine and consider our own life and our own walk with you. Where there is sin, that we'd be quick to confess and forsake it. Father, we pray that where by your grace we're living as we ought, that you would help us to continue to do so. Help us not to begin to to slow down or, or neglect those important issues that need to be there. So, so, Father, we pray that for the people of God, this message would stir us up all the more to be a people that desire your blessing. And, and then, Father, we pray for those who may sit among us who are still lost. that They can't know the blessing of God because they don't know God. And, Father, may you open their hearts and open their eyes even this day, to see that Christ is our only hope to find acceptance with you. 
And so do a work in hearts and lives that only you can do and receive all the glory and the honor as we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, in closing, let's take our hymn books, turning to 460. 460. Love divine, all love excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. That's what we want, the joy of heaven to come down to earth. 460, the second tune.
would like to have you with us this morning. We're having lunch together. So, I, you're having lunch together. I'm going to leave here in a minute because I'm going to run to the hospital for a little bit and come back for the afternoon service is the plan. So, Trisha's doing better. Still dizzy. They're going to keep her at least another night running some more tests just to give you that update as well. Thank you for your prayers for her. But I hope you enjoy the afternoon. 145 worship service. Remember, Michael tonight is a Grace Baptist in Canton, so pray for him as he ministers over there. That's Canton, Michigan, not Canton, Ohio. So, this is it, that's true. You are dismissed.